following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Somebody ought to raise a salute for the United States of America right now. Come on. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. I love this country. My dad fought for this country. I have preached to this country for 51 years. It's a long time when you're just 55 years old. (laughs) Happy 4th of July, everybody. What an honor, what an honor. And I really thought that we were gonna look like a post-rapture church today. That people were gonna be gone to the hills and the highways and the byways and the lakes and the rivers. But you know what? You showed up. And guess who else showed up that didn't take vacation? God showed up. Amen. You know, it's kind of unique to think that 450 prophets of the grove and 400 of Baal went against one man on the top of a mountain called Carmel, and God showed up. Who are we to think that we have to have everybody here for God to show up? God shows up where two or three are gathered together in his name. He shows up. All right. Would you stand to your feet? You're incredible and I love you. I'm not going to be long with you today, but I do want to preach something that I think is very applicable today to where we are in our lives. Thank you. Tonight at 6 o'clock, it's just me, no mics, and no notes, just talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to be teaching about that for the next four Sunday nights. If you're interested, I want you to come. If you're not interested, stay home. Because it's not not for everyone. We understand that. And you don't have to come. It's not. It's optional. But those that would be inquiring of the Holy Spirit, I think it would be a great time for you. It really would. There will be no pressure applied. It would just be straight out teaching. We'll dismiss somewhere around 645 And then whoever wants to can take me for a hamburger. (laughs) Amen. That's my pay for teaching on the Spirit. Let me give a report on my sweetheart, Patty. I give you a shout out, sweetheart. That's my sweet pea. This morning when I got up, not at my normal time because I knew I had to get her up also. I had to dress too today. She normally dresses herself, but she also normally is about an hour and a half later than I get here on Sunday. And so I knew that I had a great task today, but we have, we've got this down to a science now. We know what we're doing now. The first night when she came home on Thursday, we didn't know what we were doing, and uh, everything hurt. The Thursday night was very difficult for her. She had seven screws placed in her ankle, four in the back and three on the side, and so she'll be setting off alarms in airports for a long time, and we'll have to wait for her to get through. I love you, baby. But today, she was doing wonderful. She really, really was. She's doing wonderful. She has, <clears throat> she has of course, had to take some pretty strong pain medicine, but today she's not taking nearly that. She is already cutting back and She's had an ice machine on her ankle, and that was taken off today. And We may put it back on when I get home this afternoon, but she's doing well. She really is. Just still kind of hard to get around. 
her left foot still works, and so we know how to pirouette out of the bed onto the chair, and we, we're dancing a lot at the house. But it is such an honor to be with her. Her spirits are high. She's doing wonderful in her heart, and she wishes she was here, and I wish she was here because she's a whole lot prettier than I am handsome. And, uh, and so she's the pretty one of the bunch, but what a joy to be married to that wonderful lady for almost 40 years. And she's going to be all right. She's going to be all right. She's going to be all right. Also, Pastor Kelly's coming home this week. Also, Jason and Jackie worked around the church a whole lot yesterday. He's doing better every day. And one of our watch team members, Earl, Earl Amin is at, the, at this house with a bad ankle, but he is going to be better. He's going to be back. It just seems like that there's been a little plague going around of great people, good people being hurt and harmed, but God's on top of it all. Amen? I believe that. So, I want to speak today on the subject of certain freedom, certain freedom, certain freedom. John chapter 8 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Not set, make you free. It's a making process. And they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Certain freedom. Turn to somebody, say, I'm going to help the pastor. You're awesome people tonight. You can be seated. This is among the stranger, stranger interchanges in Scripture. Jesus offends the Jews by suggesting that they are not free. And he also suggests to them that there is a higher truth that can bring them into greater freedom. And with indignation they reply, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? I've been crying too much and my glasses got a little tears. Hang on just a minute. Just hold on. All you in radio and TV audience, hang on just a minute. I got, old, I got to crying about America a while ago. Never in bondage? Never in bondage? I'm amazed at how Jesus restrained himself. If I would have been there with him, I might have fallen over laughing and possibly been a little sarcastic. Never in bondage. What about 430 years in Egypt? What about a man named Nebuchadnezzar? Does the name Babylon ring a bell to anybody here today? One of their own prophets had written how they could not sing the Lord's song in a strange land, so they hung their harps on trees and sat beside the river, and they just wept. There's almost more bondage in their history than there is freedom. And even as they were replying in indignation, they were subjects of the Roman Empire right then. And yet they stand there with an incredulity, they declare, we were never in bondage to any man. It's so easy, folks, to delude yourself into believing you are free when you're not free. But today, we celebrate 
freedom. We celebrate freedom. And there will be parades and there will be cheers and there will be flags waving and there will be fireworks set off even in places not supposed to be setting them off. And then they run after they set them off because they don't want to get caught. And barbecue. And we'll shoot off fireworks in the name of freedom. But I want you to check yourself for just a moment. Before you celebrate freedom, make certain that you are free. Make certain. We need to be careful lest we look at re- as ridiculous as the Jewish people to Jesus who are known more for anything for being slaves, standing around bragging how they were, have always been free. Perhaps we can celebrate national freedom and rejoice in that we are not subject to some foreign despot. But there are all kinds of jails, you know that. There's all kinds of chains. There's all kinds of fetters and all kinds of way people are bound And the most insidious forms of bondage is when you become enslaved before you realize what is happening to you. I want to be able to celebrate true, total, and certain freedom today. So I'm going to talk about this secret slavery called sin. On the day we set aside to celebrate freedom, I wonder how many of the celebrants in this house and around America are truly free. As tragic as it is to not be free, I think it's perhaps even more tragic to be bound and not realize that you are bound. I want to share with you a great noble story right out of the Bible that many people perhaps have overlooked. We know that when the door swung open to return from Babylon after 70 years of exile, by then many, if not most, of the Israelites had been born in exile in those 70 years. It's all they knew. So just 42,360 came back from Babylon to Israel, including 7,000 slaves and 200 singers and 4,000 priests, representing just four of the 24 orders of priesthood. 74 Levites came back and only one royalty, a man named Zerubbabel, a king. And nowhere in this graphic fact, this matter of losing sight of the homeland, becoming assimilated into captivity, nowhere is it more graphically told than in the last four verses of 2 Kings 27, 28, 29, and 30. It's an unlikely tale, and in it is hidden an incredible truth. It's Israel's 37th year of captivity, and there's a new king in Babylon. His name, get this name, folks, his name is Evil Morodach. Evil Morodach, who discovers the Hebrew king Jehoiakim in his own prison. And there proceeds to unfold an incredible tale, almost fictional. Evil Morodach spoke kindly to King Joachim, lifted him up out of the dungeon, and set him on a throne above all the other kings except himself. He changed Joachim's garments. He summoned him to eat bread at his own table, even ordered an allowance for him continually at a daily rate. Every day he got an allowance. And then comes the nuisance so easily missed in the narrative. We read this phrase, all the days of his life in Babylon. Even Morodach brought Jehoiakim up out of prison, put him on a throne at his table with an allowance wearing new garments in Babylon all the days of his life. It was a charade and Jehoiakim bought into it. 
all the perks of power, a radical departure from those 37 years spent languishing in jail. And now he looks free, he even feels free, and he imagines that he is free, but he is in Babylon all the days of his life. He died there in Babylon in exile. It's one of the saddest stories I've ever read in the Bible. I don't know the name of the man that replied in such a ridiculous manner to Jesus that day in John 8, but I could name you several that if you suggested to them that they be in bondage, they would laugh in your face. Like I've already said, there are many kinds of chains, fetters, walls, and bars. And there's more than one person sitting in this room that cannot really today celebrate certain freedom. You may be politically free, but are bound in so many other ways. I'm gonna list a few, like bound by fear. Bound by fear. It has torment. You're a slave of habits and addictions. Habits are first cobwebs, then they become cables. You're enslaved perhaps to image, how you look, how you appear. You're indentured servants of materialistic lifestyle. You're always wanting more. You're under the oppression of emotions that rule your life. You're ruled by opinions of others. You're prisoners of a grinding existence that you abhor instead of a destiny that you love. You're crippled by the scars of a past that you don't seem to be able to outrun. And you're the whipping boy and whipping girl of the more rampant desires of your own flesh. And while it's tragic that many are bound, what's really frightening is that most just don't know it. I want to declare something to you today. If you even feel a tinge of the fact that some of these things may be grabbing at your soul and clutching at your heels, I want to present a cross to you today. I want to present a savior to you today. I want to present somebody to you today that can take your sin and throw it into the sea of forgetfulness and remove it from you as far as the east is from the west. There is a savior that still redeems from sin in this house today. Were someone to point out the chains the scoffing reply would probably be the same. Don't you know who I am, pastor? I've never been a slave to anyone or anything. But the reality of our life defies our statements. We say, but really. We say, but really. We say I can quit anytime I want to, but really, you don't quit. We say money and stuff doesn't mean that much to me, but really, you sacrifice your family in pursuit of it. We say, I don't care what people think, but really, but really, yet you live your whole life trying to gain the approval of people that don't even care about you. I got it together, but really, you don't sleep at night that much and you cry when no one knows it. And that little voice won't stop whispering that you really don't count anyway. I have a great life, but really, you don't stop fantasizing about another life. You're bound and you don't know it. You're a slave and you're not aware of it. You are today celebrating something you only know about in the political realm. 
But Viktor Frankl said something years ago, a prisoner of a Nazi concentration camp, that a person can be deprived of physical, political, and America freedom, and yet be spiritually, intellectually, and emotionally free. I don't know. I really don't know. I hate to say this. I don't know how long we will know the freedom we know today in America. But I do know one thing, that if we hold on to God's unchanging hand, we will have a social freedom with him, a spiritual freedom with him, an intellectual freedom with him, and an emotional freedom with him. Come on, somebody ought to raise your hands and say, that's the freedom I'm looking for, the certain freedom that only Christ can bring. See, my desire for you today is to be free indeed, not just free to vote, but free to pursue your dreams, free from your flesh, free from your limitations of sin, free from the scars of your past, free from the tyranny of emotions that run amok in your soul, free from the opinion of other people, free from the image consciousness that would rule our lives, and free from the oppression of false ideas, free free indeed. She walked into our church two years after I became pastor. She was bound by cocaine and alcohol. She was bound by the fact that she was a drug seller for her husband who was a drug dealer. She was bound by the fact that she was worshiping idol gods all through her house. She was bound by the fact that she was worshiping a Buddha. She worshiped and praised Buddha. And she was bound by the fact that she was a high-class call girl. She was bound by everything that you could be bound by. And yet one night, one night, I took this subject text, he that the Son has set free is free indeed. And when I walked by Regina's row, she stood up and said, I want that freedom. And I laid hands on her head and I said, Jesus is fixing to set you free. And she said, you've never laid hands on anybody more lost and more bound than me. And I said, you've never felt the power of a God like you're fixing to feel right now. And when God met that bondage, when the power of the Lord met that bondage, guess who won the battle that night? She received Christ into her life. She arose and was baptized. She arose and we went out and did things to her house that only I would tell when I had you one-on-one. -on -one. We battered things, we bashed things, we broke them up because there's something about knowing freedom, the certain freedom that only Jesus Christ can bring. And I'm here to declare, that's what I'm preaching about today. Oh, celebrate America, but let's celebrate Jesus today. What I fear for many is that you will be bound and not even know it. And if you know you are bound, you can at least plot and struggle to get set free. But if you don't know it, that's the height of tragedy. Samson laid his head in Delilah's lap one too many times. And the Bible said when the enemy came to take him, he got up like he had always gotten up. But this time he's bound and he doesn't know it. It's almost the saddest verse in all the scripture that the Philistines, when she said they're on you, he awoke out of his sleep and he said, I'll go out as at other times before and I'll shake myself. And he knew not the Lord was departed from him, but the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass and did grind he did at the prison house. 
But see, before that happened, Samson was a secret slave before the Philistines took him. He was a secret slave before they gouged out his eyes. He was a secret slave before they put brass manacles on him. He was a secret slave before they made him grind away in the prison house. He was a secret slave from the moment he started desiring Delilah. He just never knew it until it was too late. Sapphira came to the house of God. She conspired with her husband Ananias to defraud the Lord of money that they had pledged to him. They lied about the amount of money they were publicly given to the Lord. Her husband died a tragic death in front of the whole congregation as a result of his sin. He died on Solomon's porch in the heart of the temple complex, in the heart of the city. The Bible says that great fear fell on all them that were there. I would have that great fear also. Everyone was talking about it. Everyone was aware of what had happened. Everyone except the one that should have known. And she was about to walk into the same situation. In Acts 5, in the space of three hours, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in, everybody knew except her. Can I tell you? Can I tell you, if your friends are telling you, hey, you're battling some things, if your family's calling you in and you're having these meetings and saying, hey, son, we need some help. We need to get some help for you. Don't you understand that somebody knows that you're battling something in your life right now? You're fighting against some things that you can't conquer by yourself. I present Jesus today because there's nobody can help you in a situation like that like Jesus can. Come on, don't let everybody else in your family know. Don't let everybody else in your, in your line of, of friendships know. Don't let everybody else know that they know what you need and you not know it for yourself. But today's a day, today is a day. I remember back in 1976, on July the 4th, I remember it, a man that was a Dallas, <laughs> he was in the, in the mafia of Dallas, came to the church and found Jesus Christ on a day like today on a day like today. And you know what he told me? He told me the next year, the one year anniversary, he said, preacher, I don't even feel like hurting anybody anymore and I hadn't shot anybody in a whole year. I'm so happy to tell you that there's a Jesus that can stop you right where you are and turn your life around and give you hope ha, that you've never known in your life. There is a freedom that only he can give. I call it certain freedom today, certain freedom. She was already a slave because she is bound. She's oblivious to the danger. She's bound. She doesn't see the destruction. She's bound. She cannot sense her impending doom. She was a slave to opinion. She was a servant of pride. She's under the bondage of acceptance and popularity and does not realize she should have. Her husband's already gone and everyone's talking about it. She lost her life in the same place three hours later. You don't have to. You don't have to. If your dad was an alcoholic, if your dad was a drug dealer, if your dad did all kinds of bad stuff, it doesn't have to become a generational curse in your life. Oh, let me preach to you right now. Let me talk to you right now. If people have done you wrong, if people have beat on you, if you've been abused in your house, you can start a brand new life in your home. You don't have to be abusive to your children. You don't have to be abusive to your wife and husband. It's called a generational curse and it can be broken on this day of liberty right now. It can be broken. There's a savior, there is a God. Somebody help me preach right now. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. There's a God that can turn your life around on this Sunday morning and cause you to have a brand new generational blessing instead of a generational curse. That's the God I'm preaching about. 
I hear it coming from every corner of every congregation I preach to. I'm not bound, Pastor. I don't need what you're preaching, Pastor. I'm fine. I'm not in bondage to anything. I also hear a Jewish man standing oblivious to hundreds of years ago of history and his own present condition and say, we were never slaves to anyone. And I realize the most insidious slavery is when you're bound and do not know it. So let me just talk to you right now. I want to speak real quickly on the worth of a warning and then I'm going to wrap this up. When the Hebrews did not realize what many people cannot comprehend is the worth of a warning. What could have saved the Hebrews was a warning issued hundreds of years before Moses, by Moses. Deuteronomy 16, he said, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Never forget that. Remember, so you will know it's possible for it to happen to you again. Remember how hard it is to break free of that slavery of sin. Remember how much you lost in the land of enslavement so you don't go back. Remember, so you don't let anyone, let anyone slip bonds on you unaware again. You gotta remember. How many remember when the Lord saved you? Come on, lift your hand. How many remember? How many remember when he brought you out? How many remember that? Come on now. You don't ever need to forget that what you once were, you're not going back to. Uh, 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 I'm preaching right now and you don't even know it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lot's wife turned back and looked at Sodom and turned to a pillar of salt. I refuse to. I'm going to walk toward Jesus and turn to a pillar of sugar. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe that if he can save us from it, he can keep us from it. If he can bring us out of it, he can keep us out of it. If he can bring us from the dark night of yesterday, he can keep us in the light of today. Come on, let's celebrate that freedom today. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. You know, he, he rebuked the church of Laodicea. Randy, if you'd help me. He rebuked that church of Laodicea. He said... I wish you were hot or cold because you're lukewarm. You know why they were lukewarm? Because Laodicea, following the church of Philadelphia, the open door church, the church of Laodicea let too much of the world in into the church instead of letting the church get into the world. It's very easy. I sound an alarm today. I told my wife, I said, I hope I don't Sound an alarm like David Wilkerson used to sound, but I sound an alarm today. David Wilkerson is one of my favorite preachers of all time, but I sound an alarm today. We cannot allow the world to intersect itself with the purpose of the church. We must let the church intersect the world and say there is a better way that you can live, and it's the way of Jesus Christ. Amen. I sound an alarm today. I sound a warning. Don't be so arrogant that you missed the warning. Samson saw Delilah's intent three times before the final betrayal. Peter gave Sapphira a chance to come clean before she walked into the trap that took her husband. And every secret slave gets a warning, a chance to break out of the final destruction. There comes a moment when if you are alert, aware at all, you'll realize that the chains are tightening and it's time to make a break. Please let this pastor sound an alarm today.
please let this pastor sound an alarm today. I close with this two beautiful words. It's called simply breaking free. Breaking free. John 8 says, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. I heard Dr. Fields say this one time on his show, and I think it's worth repeating here today. He had a, a young person that did not want to do anything the family wanted him to do. He wanted to do his own way and his own thing, and he was in deep, deep trouble. And the young man just kept telling him all kinds of lies. And Dr. Field finally said, son, the only thing that's going to make you free is truth. The only thing is truth. If you'll start speaking truth to me, you'll walk out of here today a different person. And I want to declare to this congregation today, if you'll just get honest with God, you'll be a different person. Just that quick. Just that quick. Just that quick. If you'll just get honest with God, you'll, you'll get better just that quick. It doesn't take some waving of a hand. It doesn't take somebody casting out something. It just takes you getting honest and truthful with God. You shall know the truth. The truth will make you free. So, three things. You need to know the truth about yourself. Do I need deliverance? Is there something a hold of me that I can't control? Am I no longer in charge? There's a sin that will in me that's over me and I can't get over it. You need to tell the truth to yourself. David, Nathan said, you're the man. You're the man. And David repented and had a glorious kingdom. The second thing, you need to know the truth about stuff. That thing you're messing with, it's more lethal than you think. Hear the warning of the word of God about sensuality and riches and things and false ideas and wrong concepts today. It's not just that they're bad, they are lethal and they'll take your life. Samson, you need to know the truth about that woman. Sapphire, you need to know the truth about your scheme. And Laodicea, you need to know the truth about your condition. You need to know about stuff. And thirdly, you need to know the truth about truth. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way the truth and the life. Truth is not an opinion. Truth is a man. Truth is not a book written about the Bible. Truth is the Bible written about a man. And the man is Jesus Christ. Why don't you surrender yourself to Jesus Christ today? That's truth. And if you latch on to him, you'll walk out of here a different person than what you was when you came in today. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead after four days.
That's a miracle. That's a miracle. Well, I've been dead 10 years, Pastor. Well, he can work on your tomb too. He raised him. And then he said these famous words, you loose him and let him go. We don't need people resurrected still in grave clothes. We need people resurrected free. Free from drugs and free from alcohol and free from sensuality and free from all kinds of illicit sin. We need people free in this hour. That's a certain freedom. No freedom like that freedom. Oh, I love America. But she's got her problems. But I love Jesus more. He ain't got no problems. He's the problem fixer. Would you stand to your feet all over the building? Now I'm gonna close very uniquely today. Don't leave me just yet. Last Saturday, a week ago, I was in Baltimore going to preach there for Pastor Wade Haskins. And I was in the hotel called the Pendry. They put me up in the finest hotel. They flew me first class. I'm not that kind of person. I would have taken a car. But they flew me first class. They treated me so royally. And I told them, I said, the reason y'all did that is because I get treated that way at home. Y'all just wanted to match my home church. But see, there's a difference. I love y'all. <laughs> I like them, but I love y'all. But I went out on Saturday in a water taxi to a place called Fort McHenry, right outside the hotel that I was at, out in the bay, out there in the harbor. I saw Fort McHenry, and it was there that Francis Scott Key and a man named Thomas Mann was on a British vessel and they were trying to find a peace treaty between England and America. England tried to come back and take the freedom of 1776 away. There'll always be a reclaim from the enemy. He'll try to come back and take away your liberty. He'll do his best to put you under his reign again. I'm preaching to you now. And when we drove up in that taxi and I saw that flag, I saw glory on a huge, tall pole. Folks, I started crying and there's a little woman on the boat said, sir, you all right? You have allergies? <laughs> no, ma'am, I don't. No, I don't. I just know the price that was paid for that flag to fly. And those American so, uh, servicemen that was on the bottom of that boat kept looking up through the cracks in the, up to the upper, upper part of the boat and they said, Mr. Key, Mr. Key, is the flag still waving? And he would say, oh, glory, still waving, boys. It's still waving. And for 25 hours, the British bombarded, the British bombed that place and shot all kinds of things on that, on that, on that fort. And the story is that when that flag would falter, a man would go and hold it up and when he died, another one piled on top of him and hold it up and another one. And when they got there, the bodies were piled that high trying to hold that flag up. And the next morning when the dawn broke, when the dawn broke, those men were saying, okay, whoever flag is flying over Fort McHenry owns the country. And when 
when the smoke went away and the dawn came and the fog was removed, Francis Scott Key looked down and said, guys, old glory is still waving. Now, can I turn it around? I want to put something on the screen here. I want to put something on the screen. Let me have it. Let me have it. The last. There it is. There it is. There it is. Pastor, I got a question. There's a lot of sin in the world. There's a lot of stuff that's trying to hold me back from living for God. Does Calvary still work? Is Calvary still there? Jesus, his death still matter? Hey, I got news for you. You don't have to be lost. Calvary still works. Calvary still matters. There's still a cross in our past and a cross in our present and a cross in our future. Somebody celebrate with me right now. Celebrate with me right now. No freedom like the Christ freedom. No freedom like the Christ freedom. Bow your heads, close your eyes. If you need something from God today, if you need a certain freedom, I want you to lift your hand and I want you to say to yourself, I need that pastor, I need that. Would you raise your hands? Nobody's looking, I see you. Put your hands down. Now everybody's gonna pray this prayer and I want you to pray it, I want you to pray it strongly everywhere. So nobody will be embarrassed. Nobody needs to be embarrassed about salvation. Let's pray it together. Dear Father, I need you today. Sin is trying to wreck my soul. But in the name of the Lord and by the cross of Calvary and the blood that was shed for me, I claim my freedom today in this house over every sin, situation, and moment in my life that would hold me bound. I declare victory for myself and for my family and from my past and for my present and for my future. In the name of the Lord, he that the Son has set free is free indeed, and I receive it. Let's clap our hands all over the house here today. Ha! Ha! Come on, members, clap your hands for those that gave their heart to the Lord. Come on, clap your hands for them. Clap your hands for them today. Come on, clap your hands for them today. There is a God, there is a cross, there is a Savior. Jesus still reigns. I bless you in the name of the Lord. You that are back tonight, I'll be here to greet you. Give everybody a blessed 4th of July. Let us understand freedom politically, but let us understand freedom greater spiritually. For it's in Christ's name I pray. And everybody said amen.